You're listening to Contesting Wrestling, Minisode 35, in which we are talking about, uh, we're reflecting on The Undertaker, Undertaker, part one of uh, The Undertaker series, uh, recording this Uh, on- Episode 34, I think it was. Oh, okay, yeah, it's one of those two. Um, we are recording this on June 17th. It's going to be coming out, um, somewhere in the June 20th ish area. Who knows? We'll see. We'll find out. It's always an adventure with the mini. So, uh, yeah. Um, we, one timely point to make, there has been a lot of talk recently. I think we even mentioned the band rage against the machine in the context of the current protests and and such and about how it's really funny that a lot of conservatives are fans of rage against the machine and are just now coming to realize that they might've had somewhat of a political message under, you know, as the subtext perhaps for some of their songs. It it, it is, Um, (laughs) it is amazing to see both uh, how both younger people who were not around at the time of Rage's popularity, uh, discovering them. And then it's also, like, funny here, like, you know, I thought of Rage Against the Machine as, like, a band I listened to when I was younger and and maybe not, like, grew out of, but it was like they were somebody I kind of stopped listening to for a long time and maybe even associated with a lot of bros or something. And then, like, yeah, as I have gotten older and my politics have evolved, and I'm just like, oh, they were right about everything <laughs> this whole fucking yeah. time. See, I, the, boomer, the boomers all told us we were going to get more conservative as we got older. Instead, I'm like, yeah. abolish the police, socialize everything. I am more I am more militant as I get older. I will say like I don't I don't get more conservative as I get older, but I used to be a lot more like let's have a nuanced discussion about things. And as I get older, I'm a lot more like no, no I shut up. No, socialize everything. Yeah. Socialize <laughs> healthcare, socialize electricity. How is electricity yeah. not a right? Can I just say that? Oh, it's it, at it's this point madness. They they still treat it like it's some I worked at a power company, Pico, I'm gonna say it, they can sue the shit out of me, I don't care. This is a mini episode of a podcast about twenty people listen to. I worked at Pico for like two years and all it did was make me believe that electricity should be a right and should be subsidized subsidized by the government completely. Because so many people that I talked to that got their power turned off are like, Well, I'm on oxygen. If it doesn't come back in twelve hours, I might die. And, you know, I think I think a lot of people out there, you know, they they see, you know, that uh, these utility companies make all this money off of things that should be basic rights. And they ask themselves questions like, what is to be done? And they should maybe Google, you know, that phrase and see if there's any free PDFs by any interesting historical figures Um, or or maybe a podcast where somebody explains what that historical figure meant to you because there was a lot of stuff going on in 1905 that was very complicated anyway, but that's just like a random example off the top of my head of something that might exist. It's funny, like, I'll never forget uh, the first time I ever saw or heard Rage Against the Machine. Steve Forbes introduced them because he was the host (laughs) of Saturday Night Live that week. I remember that one. He was funny. He, he had just right. dropped out of the presidential race and was like, well, the, it was kind of a stunt thing. But like the, the he did one sketch where like he's a roofer and he does a big speech about how the man is holding him down. And it was hilarious. He knew who he, he was and how the crowd thought he would be. Right. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, rage against the machine. Grinning from ear to ear. Like oh, he yeah. knows exactly <laughs> how ridiculous this is. Um, weird that like Forbes, the magazine has 
become weirdly left-leaning it's, in recent years? It's not so much. So Forbes is one of these things that it's fairly not easy to write for them, but they're not like mm. a, it's not necessarily like a magazine with an editor in chief. Like we think of who is like where it's more kind of a, um, it's kind of just a content mill from a lot of people. And a lot of, a lot of left-leaning stuff sells well. The same kind of way is like I I really am am glad that uh, Teen Vogue has taken like a hard bent towards like fucking orthodox Marxism, uh, but it's definitely just happening because it sells and and Teen Vogue was like oh let's hop on this real quick and they're making money which is that's great I'm not I'm I'm glad that they're doing that. Same with the Daily News. I remember in the 2016 election. Uh, ramp up like all of a sudden the daily news got super radical yeah i do, against trump like i always knew like i knew there was like the post and the daily news i never really saw a huge difference in their politics i guess the post was always more like the conservative asshole paper but i don't remember the daily news this thing where the daily news is like the the left-leaning answer to it <laughs> which it's not is like is, the is post very moved new. to the left too in recent years really well no, compared I, to I, trump well, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Everything's left um, compared to the nightmare we live in. Yeah. Well, except, so except for whoever up... comes after Trump, it's going to be like Matt Gates or something. Sorry. So the reason the reason I brought up Rage Against the Machine is Undertaker was recently asked like who his favorite metal bands are, and he's like, well, first of all, Metallica, obviously, but when I want to do like the real hardcore, vigorous workouts, I put on Rage Against the Machine. You know, the guy who wears fucking Blue Lives Matter shirts and shit. I think uh, I think it's just the power of... Uh, I will say, honestly, I re-listened I re to some Rage Against the Machine recently, and there are times when you can't really understand what Zach De La Roca is saying. And, it ha like, I think, the, I think most people who listen to Killing in the Name don't realize that he's saying they're wearing the badge, they're the chosen whites. Like, I really yeah. think I think that people are just like, oh, he says like something and they can't quite make it out. And then that's it. And then since it's such an energy, it's such more of an energy music anyway, it's easy to focus on just the sound of it without po noticing the lyrics. I think people just do that. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people who say they never hear lyrics. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. never hear. Yeah. lyrics. I, well, I, I always thought a, a really good songwriter that has a message <clears throat> will uh craft a melody and a, and a kind of chorus or anything that'll stick in a uh, kid's mind who listens to it. And then that kid will sing it over and over again without even thinking about the message until one day they might think about the message. And I think like, uh, I always think of like, give peace a chance, you know, because how many millions of people would chant, you know, all we are saying is give peace a chance and never think of it. Cause it was just a hit song on the radio. And then you think, Oh, maybe we shouldn't be in a state of constant war all the time which was a big concern. It, there, there is very, it is unfortunate, an unfortunate truth. I think that um, even as somebody who as, you know, a, is a lifelong lover of many forms of rock music. And there are not a lot of good lyricists in the not world. Not a whole lot. Uh, not, not a lot. There are lyricists that are maybe appeal to you, but it's just like, yeah, if your favorite band is Metallica, you're not a big lyrics guy. <laughs> no. You're not, that's not a thing that you're really passionate about. It's like, like People were tired of being at war all the time, and so we stopped being at war all the time with other countries. Now we're just at war with our own government and police system. Yeah, right. and and still two. And Keep still it up, by the way. They're getting yeah. tired. And still, like one and a half other countries. 
we've we've occupied several other countries. That doesn't mean we're at war with them. Uh, great old 21st century language where you don't know what the heck anybody's doing anymore. Especially uh, if by the way, the cops are getting tired. Keep it up, everybody. Oh, yes. dear God. Keep it up. Yes. It's working. Someone posted the meme that was like, what do white conservatives think that Zach DeLaRosica was talking about? Like, did he think, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me was aimed at, like, their parents or something? Honestly, I you know? I do. That, I, I think that describes a lot of the people who really who were really into rage. Because uh, even, like, when, back in the day, like, when we, you know, when we were teenagers and stuff, like, yeah, I feel like... It would. I I came to associate their fandom with bros because I think it's just the energy. It's the energy. It's it really is great music to work out to because Rage Against the Machine was just channeling their rage, uh, of born of their politics, and it just turned into stuff that makes it a lot easier to listen to lift weights when you listen to it. I think my my favorite Rage Against the Machine clip I saw was them doing something political. They were doing a concert at a gigantic rally in D.C. Um, I can't remember exactly when this was. I think it was either shortly after or shortly before the 2016 election because they're active sporadically. Um, And the cops shut them down. The cops said, well, if you play, that'll incite violence. So they shut them down. So there was a huge crowd there to see them that wasn't getting a concert. And uh, they all went into the audience and Zach DeLaRocca had a megaphone and um, he said, all right, everybody, you know, he's he's talked to crowds like this before. He puts it, you know, uh, the, pe- the the cops have shut us down because apparently we're violent. And he's like, is anyone here violent? And everyone's like, nope. And he's like, we don't have any violence here. So they say we can't play. But we, they didn't say we can't sing our songs. So we're still going to sing some of our songs. And he doesn't just sing the songs. He gives the megaphone over to Tom Morello, who puts the microphone to his mouth and goes, burno, burn, burno, burn, burno, burn, 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 Yeah, exactly. And they they sing Bulls on Parade in full, <laughs> just with him mouthing out his guitar parts and them handing the megaphone back and forth. And it's just beautiful. There was no violence there that day, only rage. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on a little bit of a lighter note, we watched this Undertaker-Giant-Gonzalez match. <laughs> They showed a, um, a clip on on the last episode of The Last Ride that came out, you know, detailing Undertaker's last few years. Um, and there's a point, I think it's after the Cena match at Mania. At some point, Undertaker goes up to Vince in the background, and Vince is in a sort of jovial mood. And he's like, hey, uh, I, I figured out what your next match is going to be. Uh, we, we found Giant Gonzalez's son. Oh, no. <laughs> He's just you're totally taking the piss there, but yeah, uh, yeah. I thought that was funny. well. They knew. Even, okay, yeah, it was a joke. Vince I, when you hear Vince say something like that, you have to take a moment to decide if he's kidding or not. Uh, so the uh, yeah, the giant Gonzalez's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, they they knew how that came off. They know afterwards how like how hokey and bad it kind of was, and they can joke about it because the Undertaker wasn't harmed by that, you know. Right. Um, another funny thing about Taker, I sent this story around to you guys a few weeks ago, actually, yeah. about how where the people's elbow came from, the Rock's finishing move. Um, and this is a story that goes around that they would always at house shows they would try to make Undertaker break character, 
and to laugh or like to crack him in one way or another. And apparently that is how the people's elbow started. The rock would do that just to try to make undertaker crack up. And it just happened to get over with the audience. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, well, rock worked it as well as he possibly could have. Obviously it is a, it is a deeply silly move. Like watching somebody executed, it's it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous oh, thing yeah, to do to another person. Oh yeah, it's the fakest looking shit. Yeah. Oh, I hated it when I first started seeing it as like a Bret Hart fan. And yeah. <laughs> like to see serious wrestling, I was like, "What is this shit?" Um. Now, uh, and and seem, uh, similarly silly. Uh, we were talking about the lead up to the Undertaker versus Undertaker match, and like just the people looking like. Undertaker sightings that people had. <laughs> the and Undertaker I, I to point sightings, out, right. This is an example of something WWF would do, which I totally bought into. Well, maybe not totally, but I somewhat bought into as a little kid, which was to make the WWF seem much more central to the outside world than it actually was at the yeah. time. Um, I get because and, in, yeah, in the wrestling universe, wrestling has to be the biggest thing ever because why else would you be paying for all these pay-per-views? Right. It's kind of like Death Clock in Metalocalypse. Yes. You know? That's why every year at WrestleMania, they announce a number of people there that not only is more than the people are there, but is probably larger than the capacity of the building so that that record can never be broken. And they do this every year. I mean, not this year, but every other year they do that. You know, they announced at Madison Square Garden at WrestleMania 10 that they had 23,000 people in there, but that counted the garden and the theater at Madison Square Garden because that arena holds about 18,000. So there you go. Or like, or as Kevin Nash once put it, uh, there were 32,000 people the night I won the title at the garden, to which Alex Shelley said to him, I I don't think the garden holds 32,000 people, Kevin, to which Kevin says it did that night. (laughs) <laughs> was that's that the same pro- night as the two-sided ring yeah the same night they wrestled in a two-sided ring uh that's wrestling psychology for you everything is the greatest the biggest and the best every night i'd like to see somebody wrestle in a one-dimensional ring whoa that blows my mind man i'm gonna be thinking about that for an hour and a half no i always saw the two dim- two-sided ring in my head is like football shaped almost hmm. so there'd be two sides but it did like curve out yeah maybe and meet at the ends you see something like that on american gladiators maybe yeah yeah um do we have we have anything else before we wrap up no we should just watch the undertaker's entrance more yeah i would like to yeah. see it another nine to 18 times right i i just want the listeners to i, I mentioned lao tzu Sometimes pronounced Lao Tzu. Yeah. Um, he wrote the Tao Te Ching. He is the founder of Taoism in uh, China. So just yeah. you know, in case people didn't know what I was talking about. That's what that is. If um, you ever want to, if you're ever like, hey, I would like to read a great translation of the Tao. Where should I find one? Um, I have read several translations of it in my life. And by far my favorite, uh, by far my favorite is the one by great science fiction author Ursula Le Guin. Who yeah, it was? Great, it was. Yeah. It was one of her like she viewed it as like one of her major lifelong works was to understand classical Chinese so she could like translate the Tao and it was uh, it's pretty great. Also, she's the greatest. Um, it's amazing for those who like uh, paradoxes and um, and things of that sort. Uh, Lao Tzu's 
statements oh, yeah. about the world have that flavor. I do thing, love a good paradox. True things are paradoxical uh, is one of the most important tenets I've ever yes. heard anywhere in my life, which is actually not how uh, Le Guin translates that line, but that's a discussion for another time. This Language. has been Contesting Wrestling. Uh, as always, um, please check the show notes uh, for links to uh, you know, pl- places like bail funds that you can uh, donate money to or uh, other organizations uh, doing important work relating to the current uprisings that you can send some money to. Uh, there will be links for things that you can read or videos you can watch to further educate yourself about the concept of police and prison abolition. And protesting. It's working. They're getting tired. And if you Katie Katie and I went to one a few days ago, we're going to go to another one sometime this weekend. However, we can do it. Maybe Friday, maybe Saturday. We got to look at the listings because there are listings. You can find them if they're in your area. If you are physically and mentally able, you don't. I mean, it's great if you can go every day. If you can't go every day, go once in a while. Check it out. Listen to the people. If you've never been to a protest before, go shut up. Listen to what everybody else has to say and learn something. That's where you'll learn something. If you go and listen to the actual people I, I, involved. I, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And wear I'll, your I'll, mask. Everybody, the, almost everybody at the protest I've been to have been in masks and, you know, trying very hard not to breathe on each other, even though we're in a crowd. So do that. Be responsible. And I'm going to post some stuff uh, for, you know, to, to read, um, for educating yourself. I do want to say on a personal level, you know, I, I think there's a real... We all kind of grow up with this thing like, oh, like, you know, I mean, it's important to think for yourself. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But sometimes it's important to take your opinions and replace them with the opinions of people who know more than you, like Angela Davis or somebody like that. Because sometimes if if you're really, really looking for a super original take on uh, uh, on a topic that people have been talking about for decades, people from communities where they're a lot more affected by these issues than you. um, You know what? Just take their opinion. Honestly, that's kind of where I'm at in a lot of ways. Uh, Let us recover from the pathological individualism of American culture. There is a difference between having an open mind and presuming everything you think is right in the face of any other evidence. Yes, and and feeling like you need to have a super unique take on everything, uh, which is a real, uh, as a white guy on Twitter, that is a real white guy on Twitter disease. Uh, that we all got to fi- that we all got to fight. So, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, talk to your family members, keep the pressure up, do everything you can. It's important. This has been contesting wrestling. We love you. Thank we you. We love you. Goodbye. Please.